faced. Well, we're in the end game now, guys, and we've all seen it, which is a feat considering I guess it's the highest grossing movie or the highest opening weekend of all time mm-hmm. at this point. So I'm just going to jump right into it. Tyler's here, Rebecca's here, Carl is here, and I am here, and I'm sure we all have opinions about this movie. Bex wanted to start with something before we jump in, so why don't you go ahead and then we'll just, we'll just take it from there. I did. I wanted to mention, uh, some of you guys probably saw, but Carl is actually going to be an official guest at Denver Pop Culture Con this year. He is going to have a table and everything, so you guys who are going to be joining us at Denver this year, definitely stop by, say hi to us. Um, we're going to have schedules posted because he's going to be all over the place moderating a, moderating a ton of panels and everything, so... That's that's it. I wanted to brag about how kick-ass of a job he did last year and how it's paid off for him this year. Nice. I was so excited to see the advertisement with you on it. And in fact, at first I was like, did Carl make that? And I was like, <laughs> oh no, this is, that's this is real. It's this is the legit. real thing. Like, oh, I was so happy, man. My, my heart was just a, just a Thank fluttering. Thank you so much. The, to say. the other thing that was really cool is to scroll down DPCC's page and see that his announcement had the most likes of a string of like five until you got to Zachary Levi no one surpassed him and just like sheer like count so it's really evident how much the community appreciates him and loves him and is happy Aww. he's gonna be there thank <laughs> you I was saying it's gonna be one of the best places to find the bit face crew because I'm sure if you guys are there you're gonna have to come at my table for most of the time yes in Great. fact uh, that you know how much I love Denver comic-con crowds so yeah. I would be happy to be hiding behind your table <laughs> you're gonna have you're gonna have a place with me well good so everybody loved the movie. Let's just yes. start with that. I don't think any of us really had any any major complaints. I, I think it's the most I've laughed, I've cried, and I've cheered in a three-hour period in my entire life. Absolutely agreed. I walked out going, this is the best movie of all time. And I meant, I meant it in my heart. And again, I might watch it again or see other films or get a little off the high and then re-rank it. But anytime you can walk out of a film and literally say, I've never seen a better movie, no matter how short-term that feeling is, it's one of the best movies ever. They had a lot to pay off, mm-hmm. and I think that they did it admirably. And I still don't think that I've picked through, I mean, obviously only one viewing. I haven't been able to pick through all the references and callbacks. Some were more obvious than others. Mm-hmm. One thing I found very interesting is Age of Ultron mm-hmm. and Thor The Dark World are two of the most hated of mm-hmm. the Marvel movies. Yet those are, I think Ultron's the number one most referenced movie. Mm-hmm. And then they go back to Thor, the Dark World. Was that really Natalie Portman too, by the way? Or was that a deleted it, scene? It was. Um, she actually showed up for the premiere and said... I know she was at the premiere, yeah. but it, it just seemed like if that was really her and she shot on this movie, that they would have had her say a line or... Yeah. Just talking about contracts, though, it's a lot easier to say, come in for one shot, no lines. She might have even said, I'll be there. But we're not doing like second takes. I just I'm gonna wake up. I'm gonna walk off. And we're done. Because I know she's had a contentious relationship ever since Patty Jenkins was fired from the Dark World. It was good to see her. It was really good. And I'm I'm skipping ahead here. We probably should start at the beginning. But it was so good to see Renee Russo. Uh-huh. And you get that scene with Thor and his mom that kind of parallels a scene later in the movie with Tony and his dad. Ugh. And I thought they were both beautiful. Thor never got to say goodbye to his mom. Tony's right relationship with his father was obviously not the best Mm -hmm. those two scenes for me really stuck out in that middle what i'll call the back to the future two part of the (laughs) (laughs) oh by the way there's spoilers if anyone has listened this far we forgot to (laughs) well yeah i'll I'll put it in the title we'll call it spoiler cast that's why we started with natalie portman of all the spoilers we could have done (laughs) natalie portman's in it folks no (laughs) so uh, no 
right start. My my thing was basically I'm always interested in when you first got emotionally compromised in this film. Ooh, yeah, that was the question. Should we that start I had. there then, that's and what, then go kind of go because I figured it's a good at least sequence. Uh, and how do you define emotionally compromised? Because if you want to talk about the Crying. first time tears roll down my face, I'll I'll start, and I hope this isn't yeah. the same as yours, Rebecca, because we talked about this yesterday a little mm-hmm. bit. No lines of dialogue spoken in the scene, and I cannot remember the actor's name, and I should, and I'll put it in the description. When Peter walks back into school and sees Ned, Ned. Oh. I'm about to lose it right now, but I, <laughs> look on his face of, it's my friend. I haven't yeah. seen him in forever. You know, I don't have a, a woman in my life that I want to have one last dance with, but I have a friend that if I hadn't seen them in five years, I would be pretty broken up about it. I emotionally connected with that scene, the mm-hmm. look on that actor's face. They do the handshake from homecoming, mm-hmm. and then they go in and hug. That and when um, Peter's talking like he always is, and Tony finally gives him a legitimate father-son oh. father, <laughs> hug. Yeah. yeah. Those, those are my two moments of emotional compromise, Carl. That's what got me. Thanks, I'm the crying 10 son. minutes into the goddamn I know. I was and just I was trying like, to win Car- the bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Carl and I had a bet going on who was going to cry first, and I said Carl, so I lose now. I did win. Carl say Eric? Yep. You did? No. Oh. I, I was going to say, wow. Rebecca but, and I are kind of tied. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was mine. What, what about you, Tyler? You were sitting right next to me. Yeah. I, I mean, go, I'm trying to think back through the whole movie real quick, which is a long movie to think back through. <laughs> um, but... It's probably about the same time, honestly, uh, is when they get, oh man, that whole scene, you guys know the whole scene where they're, you know, the three are fighting Thanos mm-hmm. and I don't know about like, again, how do you define emotionally compromised? Because like, you know, joy is an emotion yeah. uh, and things like that. And so like one of the best scenes in the movie where I was like, just tingling all over my body like i was like this everything is paid off is when they're all getting their ass kicked and then it just flashes to mjolnir and eric and i almost stood up and like we (laughs) both did yell out yes like the whole theater could hear yes Yes, yes. the only reason i didn't stand up is i was in a recliner and i was like go down go down Ah." down. (laughs) moment's gone moment's gone go back That whole scene. Yeah. That and that's a moment that all of us as comic book fans knew was coming. It's I wasn't surprised by it, but when it did happen, I was so stoked. Yeah, it's yeah. the loudest I probably ever yelled. And and I was trying really hard not to make any kind of predictions going in because I didn't mm. want to be disappointed by anything. I wanted to keep an open mind. You guys know I didn't even see the trailers. Yep. Uh, and so, but when they were headed towards this final fight with Thanos, I leaned over to Carl and I was like, I want Cap to wield Mjolnir. And then it happened, so... It, yeah, and it was amazing because, again, like I know it was going to happen, big air quotes, but I didn't see it happening until the moment came. It didn't feel like a movie building up to that. It was amazing. Like you, like, you didn't even know Mjolnir was going to make a return right. until, mm-hmm. until the 11th hour. Yeah, I was going to say. And see, I got emotionally compromised right at the start. Like I didn't make it because I like walking out of Infinity War, I went, this movie's going to start with Hawkeye losing his family. Oh. Part That's what Endgame's going to be. And so, but even so, that already got me. I was like, oh, I saw this coming, but rough. Like, that was beautifully done. Jeremy Renner, knockout performance for one of the, again, love him as an actor, but this is the first time he got to really show off his chops mm-hmm. in an Avengers film, and he killed it. But then they started playing Dear Mr. Fantasy by Traffic to open the film. You're my man. Number one on your list, too. I started crying because 
not only is that an amazing song, an amazing pick, and warming up, and you you see the weight of it because it's a song, obviously from the collection of Star Lord. They're all gone. That levity from the universe is gone. But that song has played from my dad's kitchen since I was five years old. Every Brevik brother has karaokeed that song. Like it was a Brevik song. Um, it's funny because as soon as I heard it. I processed it, and I thought about you. Oh, <laughs> that means the world to me. That's right. It's the first thing on my, my list today, too. I was like, okay, I guarantee you a lot of people didn't know, don't know Traffic. And there's mm-hmm. another song I'm going to bring up, too. Yeah. But I guarantee you a lot of people don't know Traffic. Uh, obviously, I do. You do. Because we grew up with our, our parents playing it for That's us. Exactly but yeah, as right. soon as I heard that, I was like, I can't wait to talk to Carl about this. I was the annoying guy in the theater because I'm hitting my brothers just sobbing for no reason <laughs> as the credits are up. Like, it's Marvel. <laughs> and everyone's like, dude, the movie still has to go. But it hit me like a ton of bricks because it's been – I've seen those films with my brothers for 11 years now. And seeing it with them, with our music, introing this epic. That's I, So I cried through pretty much the whole film from that point on. <laughs> and it's uh, – a lot of people have complained that the first hour is a little slower. I thought the first hour was completely necessary. Mm-hmm. I agree. A lot of people said, why do they have Cap at that meeting? And I was like, oh my you God, need you need to, to feel show, the weight. You need of to show it. that the loss. Right. And the, the five year time jump of these yeah. are people that have been living without their families for five years. I don't think the third act works as well if you don't have that setup in the beginning. And also, some of the best jokes oh, were yeah. in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. I did not expect it to have such a comedic tone. Right. And they kept it going throughout. Now it was serious when it needed to be serious. But God, the uh, the shot of Star-Lord without the music behind him dancing, <laughs> he's the biggest douchebag in the world. And I mean, I was like, okay, when I first was introduced to Star-Lord, like, coolest guy ever and then right. you see it like that and you're like oh. yeah oh. and I've, I've got a story about that scene but I wanted to talk about the first moment that I cried real quick mm. um, just to wrap it back yeah. uh, I was impressed with myself because I thought that I was going to be like Carl sobbing through this entire movie <laughs> but I held it together until Hawkeye was talking to Scarlet Witch and said I wish we could tell her how things turned out and at that point I just started ugly crying <laughs> That, that was the moment for me that was just such a gut punch. And part of the reason was, and this is why your shirt got to me when I showed up, and we're going to post a picture of that on BitFaced as well, um, is that I thought the same thing about Stan. I wish he could see what this movie meant to people. And we got Stan fucking yelling at the military, make love, <laughs> not war, yeah. with enough said bumper sticker on his car as soon as i saw the nuff set i i mean my heart fluttered then because yep. i knew what was knew coming was. i was yeah. like what a, and stan rides off into the he sunset yeah absolutely it be. does um oh yeah but the star lord scene <laughs> so uh i had thought about that watching guardians one like i bet anyone watching him thinks he looks like a dumbass but um watching endgame we get the actual intro to Guardians 1 where the music's actually playing. And I leaned over to Carl and I was and I was like, you're such a good Star-Lord. Because just watching him dance and be charismatic, Carl just embodies all of that. Uh, and, and so I said, you're such a good Star-Lord. And then it immediately cuts to Rhodey. So he's an idiot. <laughs> and I was like, not that part. <laughs> I spoke too soon. Oh, man. And that was it. And it was... It was so fun a, a film that really revisited it was like watching it was like a smash bros of film where you mm-hmm. go back and explore all of these favorite places that you've been and it's a new lens for it and no none of those scenes went too long nothing felt like we lingered because like even that was the one scene where i was like 
we've seen it, but it built to a perfect punchline. It was mm-hmm. perfectly timed for an amazing punchline and then a literal punchline shortly after that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really have a problem with uh, – I. there's a lot of stuff online about how the time travel doesn't work. And I think if you go into the movie thinking like that, then you're not going to enjoy yourself no matter what they show exactly. you. And sure, there's some issues with it. I've got some – like one question, where the hell did Loki go? Uh, Loki grabs a tesseract and bolts, and I don't think we ever see. Well, we see him in the Thor Dark World scenes, but that's Thor two. Where, right? Yeah, where's Loki? And going? so well, that's, that's the an alternate thing. timeline. Yeah, yeah, I think. Um, Is that the setup for the Disney series? That's what I think. I was yeah. just going to say that too. Yeah, no, it's them giving him the room to really be wherever he needs or wants to be. Which was cool, and that that sequence, uh, one of my favorite lines in the movie is when uh, when Cap says, "Yeah, I know." When he says, <laughs> I can do this all day. The look on Chris Evans' face, like, "Oh, come on!" And that was that was incredible too, because they did such a good job of of capturing, um, basically, first Avengers Cap, and, and still he's he's a little spry. He hasn't gone through Winter Soldier yet. He doesn't have the weight of of really kind of losing respect for his country or for Shield or whatever on him contrasted with cap who has done this forever and they they fight similarly enough but slightly different and and current cap is snarky and old cap is still very you know uptight and so that that was one of my favorite scenes they did such a good job of capturing that that is america's ass (laughs) (laughs) no and that's it and the choreography of that scene was it was a very subtle thing but you watched them be evenly matched for different reasons you watched a more experienced fighter who's a lot more tired against a younger fitter less experienced fighter and it showed in the subtlest ways of the choreography and then right after that we get one of the best payoffs in the movie is the elevator sequence yes of course you think like oh this I is going to be I've seen yeah. how Cap gets out of this situation before, and then he leans over and whispers, "Hail Hydra!" Mm-hmm. And my wow. theater went nuts. Yeah, yeah. my theater oh. went nuts, too. and walks away with the uh, with the scepter. So Cap outsmarts him, mm-hmm. which I thought was was pretty cool. Uh, also, my uh, just so I don't forget, my favorite line, maybe in any movie, and I can't remember. I think it's Paul Rudd that says it. <laughs> yes, it is. Mm-hmm. It is Paul Rudd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that says. Uh, so you're telling me Back to the Future was full of shit? Yeah. <laughs> I laughed so hard at that. And you got another list of time travel movies, and they mentioned Hot Tub Time Machine, which yeah. Sebastian Stan was the villain yeah. in, which right? I thought was a pretty cool. They're back there. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure mm-hmm. gets a mention, which I which I thought was neat. So they did pay tribute to other movies. And that second act of Endgame, let's be fair, it's Back to the Future too. It is. It's completely them sneaking around places they're not supposed to be, yep. watching things they're not supposed to be seen, and it worked perfectly. It did. It really did. And I, this is the one time I sound like a comic snob with because that's mostly comic fans I hear the criticism for the time travel with, where I go, have you read comics? Because <laughs> when that... When that rolled in, they they balanced out perfectly, explaining just enough. Because I, apart from Back to the Future and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, am not a fan of time travel usually as a a concept because it makes me think too much. And a lot of them will struggle between explaining too much or not explaining enough. This film balanced perfectly. Here's Here's an explanation, a wink and a nod for the intellectuals in the audience. But overall, just trust us and have fun. And they, they knew where they were going. And I loved that element in this film. Which is why I think they gave the exposition to the mm-hmm. ancient one. Because they were mm-hmm. like, okay, she knows everything. She's going to say it. And then we're going to keep <laughs> Move going. Move on. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That was the one thing. I will talk about this. And then you can jump in with your part, Carl. But that was the one thing that I had spoiled for me. Um, and one of the reasons that I don't watch 
trailers is that my mind just moves so fast all the time and I'll make connections where there probably aren't any, but I usually end up being right. So I saw someone advertising in a Marvel cosplay group, the new suits, and they called it the quantum suits. And I was like, oh, and it's kind of Ant-Man colors. Shit, they're going to do quantum time travel and immediately knew. And this was like 24 hours before we were supposed to see the movie. So, Mm. yeah. The trailers did a good job, though. I think the trailers are all cut from the first 10 minutes of the movie. I'm mm-hmm. not even kidding, except for maybe one Couple later shots shot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. most of the trailer, I, I remember even, I kind of mentioned it to you. I was like, I think we saw the trailer in the first five and a half minutes. Like, yeah. it really, there's a, a scene later, and the trailer now is super spoilery. Yeah. So I really hope if people go up, I mean, you shouldn't be listening to this anyway if you haven't seen it, but don't watch the new trailer, because no. I saw something in yeah. that new trailer. I was like, well, I would have been pissed off if I would have known that. <laughs> yeah. No, I've seen warnings about that. And I did go back and um, rewatch the trailers after I got out. And what's funny is how they mislead you like Bruce Banner was just Bruce Banner he was not the combination of him and Hulk in the trailer little things like that Thor is still the Thor of Infinity War yep um yeah no that was (laughs) people are people are either loving or hating drunk Thor and he was my favorite thing ever yeah I had problems with it that was the one part of the movie that I had problems with. What was your issue with it? Um I don't like that they basically turned his body type into a joke uh, I think getting getting depressed, becoming alcoholic, and gaining weight is not something to only do comedic things with. They never had a redemption moment for him. If they had, I would have had less of a problem with it, but instead he was just the punchline through the whole movie. And I kept thinking about like friends of mine that have that body type and are just hearing an entire theater <laughs> laugh at them. And so that pissed me off. But that was the only See, but thing. I have that body type and I drink a ton of beer and I was laughing my ass off. I and thought that, it was and great. And that's great. Um, they gave us a, they finally gave us a relatable No, the one thing I And will, if you want to cosplay, I will gladly make that wig for you. I've been yeah. dying to. So yeah, make it happen. Guys. I'll do Fat Thor. Do it, <laughs> War Thor, War Thor. Yeah, is that we'll the kind give of the, you the comic inspiration for it? Mm. Yeah, you'll dual wield. No, uh, my thing, yeah. my thing was, was I felt that his arc was slightly too Ragnarok for the tone of the film. In that, again, that they kind of gave us this preface of he blames himself. It's a very serious thing, and killing Thanos did not relieve him of this guilt. There's they're killing this being was not the moment of like, I feel better now. And then to have again, like just I like I liked some of the comedic moments, but to make make alcoholism the joke that it was um, was the one thing that just rubbed me wrong fairly consistently when like because one of my favorite lines in Ragnarok is when he's when Valkyrie is like confirmed alcoholic and he's like you might maybe drink too much. And like he's like as a drinker himself trying to curb her in and then for that to kind of unravel was again mm-hmm. i wouldn't change anything in this film including this it is the one thing that just if we me wrong. had to pick something to change this would be it but um mm. yeah they, i just feel like they had an opportunity to make such a good message and they did it in infinity war when he when thor was really struggling with losing his entire family and finally losing loki and i really think it's going to stick this time and rockets talking to him that was such a powerful moment and it felt like we backpedaled i can see that since we are talking about Thor, I want to bring up the other song in the movie that I thought was so well placed, and that's 
supersonic rocket ship by the kinks <laughs> i could not is, believe it it's played when we get to see new asgard and that works on so many levels mm-hmm. uh, because they came from a supersonic rocket right. ship too and so I, I thought that was a moment in the theater i was looking around and i was like i'm bad i'm the only one in here that has heard the kinks before <laughs> and i really like that they the, the way that that music was used because i guess new asgard is in norway yeah kind okay. of based off of ragnarok's location chosen by odin um this is home now kind of vibe um, which is interesting. I like it better than Oklahoma, the comic book nod. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> and and we get Thor bitching at a kid on PlayStation Live. That was <laughs> awesome. The best part was is he's protecting Korg. Like yes. Korg is yes. so adorably like he called me a dickhead again, and <laughs> Thor does not have any of that. Like how dare you say this to my friend? Yeah. Seeing Korg back was awesome. And that's, again, there were two subtle moments that I really loved in this film since we're definitely bouncing all over the timeline. Yeah, we're completely. Um, but we're one the of them was, uh, I, I love Thor comics. I loved Asgardians. But through all of the films, they never had a moment. They were always just get their ass kicked minion types. And so to watch in Endgame when the portal opens and a wave of Asgardian soldiers rolls out, mm-hmm. finally I felt like there's... My guys, like they get their chance, and it was a split second. And another split second came, which made this film so beautiful. Is Black Panther comes out of a portal, and you see Umbaku over his shoulder. Mm. And then shortly after, it's a split second frame, but you see Captain America. I think you see Spider Man. I'm pretty sure Black Panther's there. It's like mainline heroes, and then there's Umbaku shoulder to shoulder with all of them. Split second, and it's a beautiful, tiny little arc that you have to think about to realize. But Umbaku goes from I'm not leaving my mountain to okay, I'll protect Wakanda to no, now I'm going to join with all of these heroes and defend the world. Little things like that just sent chills through me every time I saw it. When Spider Man came out of the portal, I, uh, I lost because I knew he was coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, he was the one I was waiting for. But then you, uh, you also uh, the Wakandan war chant. Stirs oh. me to the oh. bone New every Bombay time. or whatever. Yeah. Oh my god! As soon as I heard that, and then you just, yeah. And I think that battle had to have been forty minutes of that yeah. last. And yeah, I can't Didn't wait to care. watch it on Blu-ray and yeah. be able to. So much went on. There's no way I caught it all. Right. No, that's exactly it. You'll see it seven times and still be finding new things. And Spidey finally got to use the insta kill power from the suit. <laughs> I, I was so, and eyes went red. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, anything Spider-Man is is good for me. So. Yeah, I think they hid. They did. They they hid so much stuff. Like I messaged Eric that night at like midnight, and I was like, "Hey, did you notice who that kid was at the back yeah. of Tony Stark's mm-hmm. funeral?" And he's like, "No." And I was like, "The kid from Iron Man 3. Harley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Harley. And I found that interesting because I think Iron Man three is the most hated of the Marvel movies, and I think should not get the hate. I loved it, but I was the only one. Anytime I talked to people at cons and stuff. Oh my god, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. The Mandarin sucked. Uh, I, I thought it was different, and I thought it was good. No, that's the thing. We were talking about the Ancient One, who was wonderful to see again, mm-hmm. and and the Mandarin. And I love again. There might have been even better ways to do it, but I I love. I defend the Mandarin choice so hardcore because there is nothing but racist stereotype in the original Mandarin. Like it was un like you couldn't change it and make it feasible in today's age mm-hmm. so to just very much go he's not even really the mandarin was a really fun nod and really seeing them embrace all the films because i am an unpopular opinion when i like i was my facebook memories came up and i'd come out of thor of the dark world going film of the year <laughs> thor dark world film of the year i loved it and i know now it was very fan servicey but i loved all the fan service i got throughout <laughs> the film 
And so to watch them embrace their whole catalog, they weren't ashamed of any film that they put out. And so they went back to Dark World. They had Harvey. They had all of these references. Ultron, no film was bad in the eyes of Endgame. And I loved that. A lot of Ultron pays off in the movie, too, mm-hmm. which I thought was was really good. God, we finally got to hear Cap utter the famous Avengers Assemble, and that also was oh, chills. Absolute chills. And even the dream Tony has in Ultron, I want to say Cap's shield is broken the mm-hmm. exact same way yep. in Endgame. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of that came to fruition as well. I want to go back a little bit to the beginning of the movie. I really thought the sequence at the beginning where we got Civil War paid off, finally. Mm-hmm. We actually get Cap and Tony going at each other again. Mm-hmm. And this time, Tony is making a hell of a lot more sense. Like, look, I told you this yeah. was going to happen. I wanted to put a shield around the world or a blanket around the world. Mm-hmm. You didn't let me fucking do it. We're going to try this now, and we're going to fail this again. And you're sitting there thinking, like, ah, yeah, Tony's right. right. You know, yeah. that's... And I, th- I thought that was that was really good. But then, of course, we do get them to reconcile, which is fantastic. Tony brings back Cap his shield, which mm-hmm. nothing against the Black Panther shields, but come on. Yeah. That's the we, one. We it's need, the iconic one. We need one. Captain America to have yeah. the shield, which he passes off at the end of the film to Falcon. Which I loved the choice of. Uh, it, it, I'm a little sad that it seems like we're never going to get Bucky as Captain America, but I love the statement of diversity that it makes, giving it to one of the few black characters in the cast. And I defend the choice also in character because a lot of people are like, he's known Bucky for so long, etc., etc. I'm like, he was on the run with Falcon for years. Right. Mm-hmm. And they, they worked together for years. And Cap got to see how Sam Wilson operates mm-hmm. under pressure, under the gun. And Bucky's been tired. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason he ran off to Wakanda and hid for so long. He doesn't want, Bucky in, in the MCU doesn't want to take up that mantle, but Sam absolutely does. I think Bucky can still be mentally compromised, too. Yeah. Sam, I don't really, I don't mm-hmm. really see that. No. With. No, I, I like the choice, too. And I, I guess, isn't Falcon and Bucky, they're getting their own Disney series, Disney mm-hmm. Plus, too. yeah. So I don't know how all these miniseries are going to work, uh, but I, I look forward to it. And we got to see it a little bit in Infinity War, but oh my God, when Scarlet Witch walked up to Thanos, Ugh. I was like, you were about to get fucked up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you were yes. about to get fucked up, because you could just tell by the look on her face, because she hurt Vision's not coming back. No, and that was one of the hardest things of her coming back in Endgame was when she gets dusted at the end of Infinity War, she has this look of relief of, I'm not going to have to live in a world without Vision. And so having her come back and be so just emotionally wrought and still kicking Thanos' ass was one of the most powerful moments. And we watched the only two Avengers that went one-on-one with Thanos and basically were winning were women women captain marvel and scarlet witch everyone else needed help one of the powerful moments with cap, cap with mjolnir well he did but like <laughs> he it's mjolnir's going but then yeah. he still gets slammed down True. and i know that that marvel does eventually but it's still power stone and scarlet witch does eventually but thanos goes to greater lengths than just beating everyone else and so i love the moment where thor gets headbutt early in the fight when it's three on one and he's down like even thor mighty thor out of shape though he is <laughs> is down and then Marvel gets headbutt the same way, the same move. And just smirks. Not a flinch. 
And so that was a really cool message to send. No, no Power Stone and Captain Marvel kills Thanos. Absolutely. I think that's the only way. Mm-hmm. That, Absolutely. And she, I felt she was a little underused in the film, but I guess I kind of see why. Yeah. Because she's that powerful. But God, when she flew through that spaceship, I was like, holy shit. Dude. Right. <laughs> like, and we're going to see more of her because she is very much phase two. And this needed to kind of be the wrap up of our original Avengers. So I understand why they did it, but I'm in the same boat. I will always watch more Captain Marvel anything. No, that my dad has not seen this yet, and I know the first thing he's going to say is, "Why wasn't there more Captain Marvel?" Because that's his favorite film to date. Nice. Um, but uh, but no, but it was the Rousseau brothers came out early and said, "This is not a film where Captain Marvel just comes and saves the day. Mm-hmm. All of these heroes deserve better than that. We don't have that." And again, it did. It it, it was an explanation, but a good one to have her going. You have no idea what's happening across this universe. Right. That's my job. You guys need to take care of Earth for a while. That summed it up very well. Like, hey, these other planets don't even have you guys. Mm -hmm. I can't. I have to protect the whole, yeah, the whole universe. No, and I thought that was explained well. But yeah, it kind of seemed like Captain Marvel showed at the beginning to be to Uber Tony back to Earth, and <laughs> yeah. she showed up at the end when they needed help in the battle. But, right. I mean, that's that fits her character well. She it wouldn't does. be spending her whole time on Earth. No, and I am living for short-haired Captain. She Marvel. had your hair. She has my hair, and so I'm gonna try for uh, Denver Pop Culture Con to have that suit with the short hair because that is exactly one-to-one my hair right now. Mm-hmm. No. The other thing, and you, you before I forget, one of the things that really stood out to me was the Cap and Iron Man reconciliation was never forced. They were not best friends again. No. They reconciled, and when Tony is dying, the three people who come and talk to him are War Machine, Spider-Man, and Pepper. We don't see this forced Cap and Tony interaction. We don't see the other Avengers coming around. It's Tony and his friends from his franchises, the people who mean the most in, in his last moments. And I thought that was a beautiful touch, again, where they weren't making any character fit a box. There was no like real big fan service of they're, you know Cap and Iron Man are going to hug in the last moment. Cap stood respectfully off to the side while Iron Man's true family talked to him. Yeah, we got another throwback to Iron Man three when Pepper mm-hmm. says, mm-hmm. "You can rest now." Because mm-hmm. that's isn't that Iron Man three where he can't yep. he can't sleep? Yep. Yeah, and Pepper's like, you know, you, you need to rest, and then she says, "Oh my God, uh, we're gonna be fine." We're gonna be fine. <laughs> that was that that destroyed a lot of people. That was very powerful, and it was a really great arc for Pepper too because she's been so obnoxious, especially in Infinity War, where I get that you want to protect Tony and you want to keep him with you but if he's the only person that can do these things you have to look at the greater good and she was very selfish in that but then to give a kind of give him up and tell him you're not going to be able to sleep if you don't do this and and to tell him you can rest now uh and we were talking to Carl's brother Cody today who's a doctor and he was telling us that like the death stare is super accurate which Got me all kind of shook up. (laughs) But yeah, he was like, I watched him die and I've seen people die in an emergency room. It was one to one. It was absolutely the same feeling. Um, And I had to write, I wrote this down because one of the cool moments to that arc of Tony through all of these films culminating is when he's talking to Howard and uh, Howard, they're talking about Tony having a daughter and how Howard wishes he had a daughter. And because he doesn't want a son that turns out like him. And Tony says, would that be so bad? And Howard replies, let's just say the greater good has rarely outweighed my own individual objectives. And you watched that hit Tony, who through this film is daughter-oriented. Like, my daughter is everything right now. Mm -hmm. And so you see how, again, that greater good 
he has to overpower his daughter of what Pepper Potts wants. And this film did such a good job of fixing any little annoyances of any character. Mm -hmm. Every character that had a little like, man, what are you doing? They came into their own in this film. Mm. I'm just looking forward to that rescue Sando. (laughs) (laughs) Now, to be fair, you bet me that they would be rescued by rescue. That did not happen. I just remember saying she would put on the, the armor. And, you know, I'm glad that you like things spoiled for you. I will get you a Sando, which Rescue did not rescue them. Captain Marvel did. No, that's true. That's true. Uh, which was cool, too. And then uh, he did name his daughter Morgan, mm-hmm. which he says in the first, uh, well, in Infinity War, yep. I, let's name uh, her after uh, your crazy uncle Morgan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was a nice little throwback there because I was wondering, I was like, Morgan, who's important to Tony Stark named Morgan? And I yeah. had to go back and like, oh, okay, that's why mm-hmm. that's why they did that. And Morgan was absolutely adorable. And mm-hmm. she kind of gives him the inspiration for the time travel a little bit. But when Tony finally decides, and correct me if I'm wrong, to do it, it's when he picks up a picture of him and Peter Parker and he looks yep. at it and says, okay, I'm, yep. I've am i got to go back and get the kid. Because you see all the characters deal with a thing that they're most guilty about in this film. Yes. And it's always the people that they lost and the people they weren't there for. Um, and yeah, Tony w- with Stark. And then again, like I said, Thor with everyone. Thor puts the weight on his shoulders because I'm a big debater about how Infinity War is not Star-Lord's fault. And I think this film kind of brings that around. There is only the one way this happens, and it had to go this way. Um, but one of the things I always said was, yeah, Thor should really take the blame. And then I saw him take the blame. I was like, no, I didn't mean Don't it. Don't take the blame. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I take it all back. Yeah, and we also... I don't think this is the last we see of Thor. Robert Downey no. Jr. Mm-hmm. and Chris Evans, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. we see them play those roles again. But the end of the movie... I mean, we're going to have as guardians of the galaxy. That's yeah. what it looked like to me. It looks <laughs> no. like Thor was joining the team. And one of my, that was another one of my favorite character arcs is you have a uh, star Lord in infinity war, who is obviously very jealous of Thor. Doesn't necessarily want him there is trying to talk like him and things like that. And then you have star Lord in uh Endgame where he he is still clearly a little jealous of Thor, still tries to talk like him, things like that, but is is understanding that he has no family, he has no home, and that's what the Guardians are all about, mm-hmm. is taking those people in. So the fact that Star-Lord accepts Thor into their group when he doesn't like him is huge character growth. Yeah, we see everyone except Gamora in the Guardians mm-hmm. and Thor take off in mm-hmm. the Benatar at the end of infinity war uh, supposedly i guess going to guardians 3 Mm -hmm. which is being rewritten at this time from Mm -hmm. what i've heard james gunn has completely taken what they had and said nope this is not what i was going to (laughs) do let's go back and do what i wanted to do with the characters and i'm wondering if he asked hey can i use thor his Thamesworth still got a movie under his contract can Mm -hmm. i can i do that because that really adds i think to the guardians i think i think so character to have with that crew so i'm looking forward to that movie me too. too I, I think Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans needed to, I mean, come on. It, it starts and ends with Tony. It and does. that's the way the story should be told. And I know Evans was tired of playing the part. And Cap did get his perfect ending. He the did. ending that we wanted him to have. Ugh. Which was one of the greatest twists of the film. Because I've gone into two movies consecutively going, Cap's going to die. When's it going to happen? And when the shield's broken and Thanos is over him, I was sure there was gonna, he's going to get impaled. It's going to be dramatic. Someone's going to have to come in, and then maybe that's when the cavalry charges and they avenge Cap. No, he gets a nice ending. He gets a, he gets mm-hmm. the life he deserved all along. Mm-hmm. My thing is, I, I have a feeling that we'll see old man Cap 
in homage to the comics hmm. in a shield operator again little little cameo in some film coming up mm-hmm. um i see him coming back but that was the hard part about tony being dead dead like yeah because chris evans had been wanted to be done for a while he wants to get into directing there's other things that he wants to do with his life rdj would be iron man until the day he died if it was up to him and so knowing that he was giving up kind of this mantle was was really tough which i also want to talk real briefly about mantles and actors i got to meet sebastian stan four times to date now and every time i've gotten to interview him or talk to him he always goes i really hope i get to be captain america I want to be Captain America so bad. And all his fans want it. And so to watch him as an actor, watch Sam get the shield and put all of his heart and soul and genuine support in that moment was beautiful, not only as a character, but watching an actor see someone get the part that he wanted. Mm. Really, really neat moment in this film of people just accepting the new generation as something completely different than what we've had. The cap scene, though, is the scene, though, if you think about it, that poses the most problems. And my, our friend Julie brought up a really good point. Mm -hmm. What happens when Cap takes the stone back to Red Skull? Yeah. You don't know. And if Cap really stayed with Peggy this whole time, what does that do to Bucky? What is that? I mean, that's that's a scene not to think about. Mm-hmm. Just let Cap have his ending. Let Cap forget, have yeah. Let Cap have his else. ending. Absolutely. Because he, yeah, Cap leaves to take the stones back. The other stones, I have no problems with. But the, right. the, it's like, well, what do you just return the soul stone? Can you trade it for Black Widow and Gamora? Mm-hmm. I mean, how does it work? Yeah. Well, that's the question. Is it's you know a soul for a soul? So you would think you could get someone back. That you yeah, you would trade it back. That's so. the other the other hard part about this movie is they didn't pull back consequences. We've still lost the Gamora that loved Star Lord. Mm-hmm. We've yeah. still lost Vision. Uh, we've gotten a Loki back, but the Loki that loves his brother and went through the Ragnarok arc is still gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to have to have those kinds of consequences linger was really heavy. Like you feel the deaths, and that's why one of the nicest moments again was your emotionally compromised moment where Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch didn't interact a lot, mm-hmm. but they both went through something that they relate to immensely. They've got the most history of all the characters, though, if I remember correctly. They often mention Budapest, where uh, he saved her. Mm-hmm. Right. And then that's why she shows up in, I think, it, is it China? Yeah. Is it China? Oh, uh, Japan? Japan, I want to say. I think it's like Yakuza. Japan, yeah. yeah. Uh, she that's, shows yeah. up when he's Ronin Yakuza. and kind of returns the favor to him. Uh, we're getting a Black Widow solo movie with Scarlett Johansson in right. it. So I'm assuming we're going back in the past, yeah. which, which is great. I think I think we Black Widow is a character that I would love to watch an origin film about. Mm-hmm. We don't know a lot about her. Right. Um, yeah, I've always loved Hawkeye and Black Widow's relationship. And it was really encapsulated in one moment when they're on Vormir and they do the forehead touch because you you almost never see um, physical affection that's purely platonic between opposite sex friends. You never see that. And that was a really huge moment for me, especially I'm super close with Cody. And that moment reminded me a lot of me and Cody. And so that was very hard hitting. But yeah, they did a really great job of encapsulating their friendship and how much they truly love each other right before widow sacrificed and all of those scenes were handled just right to me like that widow hawkeye battle was perfect where i was like oh man widow's gonna do it and it's for hawkeye's family oh dang hawkeye got away and then that little give and take was full of suspense 
I had no idea who was going to come out of it on right. top because of what they both wanted. And they did the dialogue in that part so well. There was a split second with the way they were talking where Widow's like, I've been doing this for five years. And Hawkeye is, uh, is talking about his family where I was like, are they going to like try and throw each other off rather mm. than sacrifice themselves? It was just, it was like a second, but I actually, that was the first moment that I really felt fear. Yeah. <laughs> and Widow was tired. Yeah, she, she was. was. There's a scene early in the movie that it, it alludes to the fact that she runs everything. She mm-hmm. has been running the Avengers after the snap. She's been in charge. And mm-hmm. yeah, she looks uh, tired. And then, uh, of course, Paul Rudd comes. Is this anybody's sandwich? And st- uh, well, I watched <laughs> Paul Rudd also, uh, not as much as Renner, but Paul Rudd fucking knocked it out of the goddamn Serious park. Serious not, not that he doesn't knock it out of the park every time I see him. But it was good to see the two characters that were noticeably absent mm-hmm. in Infinity War come really into this bring movie it home, and really get to really get to do a lot of stuff. Well, and Paul Rudd has been so comedic that uh, just in his entire career, let alone in his career as Ant Man, that you're almost not sure if he can do the really heavy dramatic moments, but he brought it home. And those almost hit harder because all you've ever seen him is as a goof. And such a great nod too to Ant-Man and Wasp when she calls him Cap at the end and Paul Rudd looks over and nods at her. Oh, I thought that was beautiful. So nice. No, and that's the, 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 the culmination of so many character arcs. I was, I was blown away that they get, they hit so many. Um, And again, even Widow was a character where, there was some there was some uh, debate about a- Age of Ultron with her and what she became and what was kind of all of a sudden very very stereotypical feminine tropes of females past and so to watch her run shield and do that for that time jump I've heard a lot of people complain about the five year time jump I think it was essential mm-hmm. because if we get an exhausted widow Captain Marvel says I've been trying to help for about five years now mm-hmm. I have to go it's not just her I'm here for a little bit and there I go again. All of these little moments are explained by the five years. The weight comes in with the five years. And, and I saw another criticism that said, I don't need to sit and watch Black Widow eat a sandwich. Very much that it's slow first hour. I'm like, are you watching the same movie, though? Because you're not watching her eat a sandwich. You're watching this character we've followed for almost a decade live with these consequences and feel the hurt. And this is her most human moments mm-hmm. in in any th- film we've seen to date. Yeah, I I don't feel like the first hour was slow. No. I feel no. like the first hour was the hour you needed to pay attention. Exactly. You really needed to soak in those characters because you're going to get the big battle. Mm-hmm. You, you get that. Right. But the big battle doesn't mean shit if you don't have that, that sort of attachment. Weight. And I, I don't know why people are bitching about the five-year time jump. That's the only way that you really can have those characters grow uh, right. in, 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 in bad ways sometimes, yeah. in the worst case. But right. you know, the characters have changed. And that's the thing with Thor I do understand is if Thor from End of Infinity War is going through this film, he is the Captain Marvel almost where he's just indomitable. And so they really tried, they needed to take him down a couple pegs. I was wondering how they were going to do it. Um, Like I said, we talked already about some of the issues they're in, but I saw why they had to scale him back from Mm -hmm. End of Infinity War where he's just literally cutting through all six Infinity Stones. One little Easter egg that was really interesting that we found out, the therapy scene with Cap, and you have the man talking about uh, the, the date he went on, and I thought that was a really well-done, yeah, realistic... Joe Russo, right? I was about to say, yeah, that <laughs> was... You know who the other guy in the scene is, the older guy with the glasses, Mm-mm. is Jim Starlin, creator oh. of Thanos, uh, Marvel oh. Comics Holy artist. shit, yeah. I didn't know that. That's fantastic. He's, he's artist and writer. I think he does both. But so. yeah, Jim, Jim Starlin mm-hmm. yep. was uh, one of the other people. Yeah, the so that was 
I, I loved that. That was the moment that Joe Russo chose to insert himself in the film mm. is as someone who's dealing with these consequences, the Russo brothers have already said they don't want to do any more Marvel movies. So he is very much feeling this weight himself and the fact that they had him on a date with another man, just again, a little nod to diversity to shut up all the men's rights activist trolls out there. Mm. My only problem with Russo is he's already been in a Marvel movie and he's in the first Avenger or no, he's in uh he's in winter soldier. He's one mm. of the guys sitting at the table. And I was like, okay, mm. like you should have put on a mustache. Before, <laughs> Cause I mean, I know who he is obviously, right. but I, that was my only, but maybe that, no, there's no way that's the same guy. I was thinking like, no, yeah, that was my only issue with mm -hmm. it. I was like, wait a minute. I know who you are, bud. And we also got two, uh, two community actors, which mm -hmm. is a tradition of the Russo's. Mm -hmm. I did not catch any arrested development stuff so if you guys no, caught anything not yet. Or if i did you guys not listening caught anything let me know i just want to say about the the five-year time jump like i think that the number is arbitrary five years yeah. but it had to happen and they mm -hmm. explained it mm -hmm. with how you know ant-man just got tossed out at a random point in time from the quantum realm he had no way to navigate it so mm -hmm. like what does he just come out the next day and then haha now they all go on it no mm -hmm. like if it wasn't for that rat, we and have no movie. Yeah. <laughs> one of the funny memes that's been spread around, although I'm very mad at people sharing memes that are kind of spoilery, but people have been saying like the real hero of Endgame and then posting a picture of Ratatouille. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because if he doesn't step on that switch and the Ant-Man doesn't come back, we don't have a movie. Or no. we, we have the movie that... Tyler and I joked in the theater after Thanos's head got cut off. We were like, well, let's go home. That was the yeah. first three hours of my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but obviously that didn't didn't happen. That was a very uh, interesting way to open it, too. And I think because a lot of the end was predictable, they wanted to make the beginning not predictable. Like, yeah. you never would have thought that, like, oh, let's 15 minutes in. Let's go get, kick Thanos's ass. What are we right. waiting for? Especially because you have a trailer of him beaming down. You know, there's a shot of him in the trailer beaming down. And mm -hmm. then he's dead. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. Um, <laughs> the other thing I liked though, is it really set a tone because the big debate my brothers and I were having is who gets to kill Thanos? Cause so many people have a good reason, even those who survived the snap. And I wanted it to be Thor because of everything he's gone through to date. And literally his reason to live was kind of killing Thanos. And so how it happened was perfect. Again, you see a moment where if it's just Captain Marvel, she probably kills Thanos in that moment, mm -hmm. but he was the only one I'm not waiting I'm not here for monologues. Yeah. I had, this is what I needed to do. Right. And it set a tone where he went, anything can happen in this film now. And it was interesting because, you know, he didn't go for the head the first time and he very clearly took that to heart. <laughs> it's, I'm not going to give him a chance to talk. Even though he said the stones are gone, we don't know what he can do. And he just pulled the trigger. I liked that a lot. Me too. And I thought it was very fitting of Thor's character. And then I think that's one of the reasons Thor became the alcoholic he did is, well, I killed Thanos. And, and that's even and when he mentions when he's drunk yeah. off his ass. He's like, you know, did anybody else kill Thanos? No, <laughs> I did. Mm -hmm. um, another scene later, too, with uh, with Hawkeye. And I, I really think Black Widow's death was not given enough credence. But when Hawkeye's like, do you want to go talk to fucking Red Skull, asshole? You go up there and do it. <laughs> right. I, was, I, I, w I could feel Jeremy Renner in that. I was like, wow, dude, that's exactly how you would react. Like, dude, you weren't even fucking there. Don't tell me how this should have been handled because mm -hmm. you didn't go. Um, and, and you kind of got to see that with Tony in the beginning too, when he was angry at Cap, but yeah, that, that scene really, really hit me hard. With yeah. Like, yeah, of course that's what you, how you're going to react to that. And that's the thing. It could have been anyone right. that went there. Like, and that he knows that, like no one knew what Vormir was 
and they got that short straw and mm-hmm. you see that rage mixed with the tragedy um it really tells a lot to everyone's mission and some people had an easy time look at rocket and thor they come back pretty easy time and so to come back from the hardest mission renner really brought it and i was so proud of how he hadn't abandoned this character of Hawkeye after kind of getting kicked around for six years. Mm-hmm. Hulk's mission was pretty easy too. Yeah, very. He got knocked out of his body, and then she was <laughs> like, "Oh, Tony gave or um, Stephen gave this up. Mm-hmm. Well, then I know exactly what I need to do," which I thought was really cool. I um, loved uh, the Bruce Banner Hulk like meld trying <laughs> to be mindless rage Hulk or just ah uh, smash <laughs> it was so funny I liked how mellow he was but yeah. that's one thing that is kind of unfortunate if you think about it is the Hulk is technically he's one of those you know that they put in that special tribute right at the end but they didn't show him or do a whole lot with him he kind of did the snap got his arm all gimped and then that was that like he's the strongest person in mm-hmm. the Marvel universe if he continues to get angry, mm-hmm. but he just couldn't, you know? So, and I, I do like though, that everyone served a purpose in the main six at the end of the day. And yeah. Hulk being the one who brought everyone back was insanely powerful because you you see Thor desperately wanting this moment and everyone realizes he can't mm-hmm. Hulk takes it. He brings him back. Tony of course saves the universe, which is one of the other things I liked because Dr. Strange becomes the, the architect of this whole event mm-hmm. without Dr. Strange's plan. This doesn't happen. Tony dies on uh, Titan. So to have him not just be a guy who's like, I'm going to move my pawns. What he does with Tony is he saves his life, gives him five years, gives him a daughter and gives him the opportunity to save the universe. It makes him a more human character he doesn't just sacrifice everything for the greater good mm-hmm. either. And you see the weight on his face, on Dr. Strange's face at two moments. One, when he holds up the one to Tony and Tony knows what he's got to do. Uh, and then also at Tony's funeral, you see Strange, just the weight on his shoulders, even though he knew it was the right decision. He knew it was the only way out, but he still felt about it. That was really important to the character arc, I think. And and Widow's funeral scene to me is them talking does she have a family renner's outburst and i almost the one thing i'm trying to validate myself i still would like more i wish she had her own memorial i'm mm-hmm. a sucker for like Bormer died in lord of the rings and i reread the chapters of his funeral song like nine times i wanted that for widow but she almost doesn't do that like she's mm-hmm. not someone who wants that bring people together talk about it character and i feel that there's almost an understanding like hawkeye would have demanded more but there's this, she doesn't have family. We were her family. We're moving on now. Mm-hmm. In honor of Widow is how I'm trying to rationalize that lack of equality. Yeah, I, I just don't think she got the the send-off that she deserves. As I think she's a very important Marvel character. Mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. anyone walked into the theater expecting Widow to die. No. no. Everyone expected Captain America to die, which mm-hmm. they didn't do, which I thought was smart. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just a, a little bit more. And maybe there's stuff that was cut out. Yeah, maybe we'll get a director's cut that's four hours long that has a funeral (laughs) procession for Widow. (laughs) Please, Rousseau Brothers, please. (laughs) I don't know how much that they did cut, but I imagine there's another, there's probably another hour of that movie, right? I I would have to think so. Um, I think that's a good place to wrap at least this discussion. Any other final thoughts? If you guys listening at home can't tell, we all really loved 
the movie. I hope you guys get to go out and see it. In fact, I'm curious to, to hear what, what everyone else thinks about it, because this is honestly, besides going out to eat with Tyler after the flick, this is the first time I've really gotten to talk about it. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I was really excited to sit down today, and we wanted to get this out as soon as possible because uh, just, you know, maintain relevance. Uh, Bex, before we go, do you want to talk a little bit about Mortal Kombat, or do you want to save that? Uh, we can. It's up to you. Now we can, we can talk about uh, a, a perfect game that is just completely marred and sullied mm-hmm. with a microtransaction model that NetherRealm Studios has since pulled the plug on. It's like they didn't learn anything from Star Wars Battlefront 2 and the backlash that that got. And if you're going to put something like that in my face after I've paid for it and then say, oh, no, no, we made a mistake. No, you didn't make a mistake. You knew, you knew exactly what, yeah. what you were doing. And now that we're pissed and people aren't buying it, and the game has actually dropped $10 in price, that never happens on the first week of a title no. unless some major backlash happens. Why do you need to do this? Uh, you would have sold enough copies of Mortal Kombat just because there's people like me that have been playing the game since we saw it at Putt-Putt Golf mm-hmm. when we were 12 years old. <laughs> why Why are you doing this? Uh, why are you making it like this? Make the game fun. And Injustice had a similar gear grind but it wasn't tied to you spending real money to bypass it. Right. And I think that is makes all the difference in the world. That does make a huge difference. And you see things like um, in Overwatch, the way they handle microtransactions is it's all largely cosmetic. It's not gear-based. It's not going to make you a better player. And so I think that's the way to go. Like there is a balance to be struck if you want microtransactions, although I hate microtransactions. But one of the things that I have really, really enjoyed about uh, Mortal Kombat about this new one is that they changed the outfits and made them practical and there was an interview where the game director was like you know what we're probably going to lose fans over this but it does not matter because it's not practical anymore yeah so i that was a huge moment for me was reading that are you guys going to play the game probably not okay so here's another big spoiler not only do they change the outfits but at one point in the story mode of the game, which is the best story mode they've ever done. I've heard that. that I've it, heard. It is a kung fu splatter fest with time travel and old Johnny Cage talking to douchebag 90s Johnny Cage awesome. is as perfect as you would think it would be. But there's a moment in the story where the title of Khan is passed and now it is Katana. Oh, oh yes. that's badass. It's, it was it, it goosebumps when I was watching it. And I was like, oh, okay. So they're, they're going that way. No, and they did. They made all of the the female costumes a lot more, um, what did I say, functional? Yeah. Functional, yeah. And they also, uh, not just to give it to Mortal Kombat, Dead or Alive 6 was not the boob jiggle fest that the other games have been. Not Mm -hmm. that there wasn't some sexuality in it. There always has to be. But we've come a long way from Dead or Alive Beach Volleyball (laughs) on the original (laughs) Xbox (laughs) to where it is now. And the new costumes are great. Mm -hmm. It's not like that they're they're shitty. And let's be honest, Melina, Katana, and Jade's costumes before were a little ridiculous. They were ridiculous. And they were all basically clones of each other in different colors, too. So at least like this required some creativity. Have you heard about the data mine on the downloadable characters? Yes, and if one of them's true, they just go ahead and take my money. That's exactly <laughs> it. Like we've been talking about how hard they're trying to make me play this game, and if they put Ash Williams into this game, I don't know that I can avoid it. And Bruce Campbell on his Twitter, like seven months ago, said he was going in to record lines as Ash, and everybody assumed it was for a standalone Evil Dead game. Mm-hmm. I think it was for this. For this. Mm-hmm. And Terminator, Terminator, the other one. Um, 
there's a couple canon yeah. Mortal Kombat characters. Ed Boon has come out on record and stated that his dream downloadable or dream guest character is Ash Williams. Mm-hmm. So I I foresee us having him. Yeah, Terminator. Who was the other? Um, is it Michael Myers? It was yeah. I don't remember. I remember they've, they've Terminator. Done Jason. They've done Freddy. Once I heard Ash, I was just like done. Yeah, and then they're gonna. I, I assume there's a couple Mortal Kombat characters yeah, too that yeah. weren't in the game that we're gonna get. If you're a big fan of fighting games, I don't think the microtransactions ruin the experience. Mm-hmm. But I've beat the story. I've seen everybody's ending. I played through a tower with every character. I've done everybody's fatalities. So for me, week one of the game is over, and the only place I have to go is that that mm-hmm. gear grind. So yeah, I mean, did I get a good twenty hours out of a sixty dollar title? Absolutely, I mm-hmm. did. But I want. 70 hours out of a $60 yeah. title like I'm getting with a game like Sekiro, which we'll talk about on another cast. Right. Um, no, great discussion, though, guys. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed our Infinity War episode. Uh, Endgame. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Did you write that down? <laughs> we knew it Right happened. at the top of my pad. Yeah. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed our Endgame episode, and we look forward to bringing you guys a lot more fun stuff this year. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Tyler was reaching for the button. Uh, <laughs> And, and that's who I'm going to outro with. Uh, Tyler, run TRG Glaze. Rebecca, the sexy chameleon. Carl Brevik. Oh, how did your audition go today? Uh, well, it went really well. Good. Yeah, hopefully leading to Netflix opportunities. Ooh. Well, you have to promise when you become big and famous, which I know you will, that you still come back and talk to us. Are you kidding? No. Yeah, you guys are coming with me. Like, we need this, all this of your... Days. I won't be <laughs> guesting. Still, I'm still first on my IMDb. Bitface. We love it. And thank you guys so much for listening to our end game episode. Uh, I'm Eric G. Hollis and we're at the end.